Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at MyFirstSketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. And wherever you get the podcast, it'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review. If I earned it. As I release this, we're just a couple days away from the next live sketchy baiter upstairs at Tattooed Mom at 5th and South Street. This Sunday afternoon, February 19th at 2 p.m. It's a super low-pressure sketch comedy open mic. We'll read some sketches, we'll have some drinks, and eat some sandwiches. So come join us. Sketchybaiter.com for more info. Elsewhere in the world, we're continuing down our path towards Toronto Sketch Fest next month. And today, we're traveling to St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. Today's guest is Steph Curran, currently a member of Moms Girls. Moms Girls will be heading to Toronto for Toronto Sketch Fest for two shows. First, on Friday, March 10th at 7 p.m. with Birdie. Then Saturday, March 11th at 9 p.m. with Boy Girl Party Live. Both of those shows are at Comedy Bar, and tickets are available at torontosketchfest.com. Steph's first sketch is called In Your Head. Steph's first sketch is called In Your Head. Steph essentially plays herself with an inner monologue happening. I give you the visual information and play the boss and a couple other characters in the office at the end. So let's get to the sketch. Steph sits on a chair. She's trying to start her car. Ah, fuck. I'm going to start, you slut. I cannot be late again. The car starts. Thank God. I don't even know why I have to go in today for this pointless meeting. This is the last thing I wanted to do on my birthday, but whatever. I guess I'll just have to wait and get day drunk with my bitches later. The quicker I get in there, the quicker I can get out. I'll go in. I'll sit on this meeting for an hour, and then I can take the rest of the day off. It's probably just a stupid reminder of rules or behaviors or something. But what if it's something? Uh, no, I didn't do anything bad. It's impossible. It's all cool. Steph stops at the red light, looks over to the car next to her. She smiles and gives a head nod. A few moments pass by. The light turns green. Uh, I wonder if it's about when I accidentally threw my stapler at Sheila. It's not like it's my fault that she's an easy target and only sounds like she's got a sinus infection and she's just so happy about it. The last thing I want to deal with at 9 a.m. She was asking for it. Okay, I never even gave her a concussion, so it's fine. Are you sure it's fine? Okay, well, it can't be anything else. I only stole money one time and that was for the boss's Christmas gift, so like he can't even get mad at me about that. And I, I, I guess it could be the time I accidentally sent a picture of my ass to the work email group, but Instead of my boyfriend, but they can't penalize me for that. Plus, it's a wicked picture, so they should be thanking me. I mean, there's, there's no way this is a disciplinary meeting. Are you sure you're not getting fired? Okay, Head, would you just shut the fuck up? Okay, I'm not getting fired. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm getting fired. I have to be. Why else would they call me in on my day off? I'm getting fired on my fucking birthday is not fair i worked so hard i'm the ideal employee okay i have great rapport with customers i always get my work done and i've only spilled gatorade over my keyboard once how could this happen she stops at a stoplight you know what no no how dare they fire me how dare they 
Do they know who I am? I'm honestly the best worker they have. They have the audacity to fire me. But what about Ted? Okay, Ted just sit, just eats at his desk constantly, just bags and bags of cheesies. He just he makes everything around the office orange, and he'll just look up at you and go, oops. And then Bruce, who literally is just straight up hard of hearing and can't even talk on the phone and the whole day, he'll just scream, wah, really loud when no one is even talking. Okay, and you know what? I dress better uh, than everyone in the office. Everything I wear is clean, unlike Mark with that fucking white button-up shirt with a huge fucking pizza stain on it that he wears every goddamn day with his overly large tie that is so unnecessary. The car violently honks behind her. She flips them off. God, they want to fire me. I'm a fucking superstar. I'm the glue of this office. Fuck them. I'm going to jump in front of this mess. She parks the car, walks into the office, and crossfades. Liz greets her. Good morning. Fuck off, Liz! She walks up to Step, the boss. Stephanie, thank you for coming in on your day off. Please, have a seat. You have a seat. What? Sit down! He does. You think you can get away with this? <laughs> you think you can just make decisions all willy-nilly and just change everything up, huh? What about loyalty? What are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about, Steph. I am sick of this shitty establishment. You and all these brain-dead, cheesy-eating employees, so fuck you! I quit! Beat, she's breathing heavy and is bad. Uh... What? Over there in the corner. Lights up on the far stage of the stage. Evan, Stu, Liz, and Zach are there wearing party hats. Steph turns around. Happy, uh, birthday? Evan blows on a noisemaker. Oops. Fuck. What? And blackout. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. My name is Samantha Russell. I'm a sketch comedian, and I have a prop and costume hoarding problem. So I figured the best way to get it under control is to start a podcast. On Should I Keep This? I chat with other comedians about their experiences in comedy and our insane prop and costume collections. And on each episode, we both bring a beloved item to discuss whether it's a treasure or just trash. Sometimes it turns out no matter how much money or time we spent on a prop, the only thing we should be holding on to are the memories we've made along the way. So check out Should I Keep This? We have new episodes every two weeks available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, Steph. Hello. All right. So tell me about this sketch. Tell me about getting in your head. So um, the start of my sketch journey, I've, I was an actor my whole life. Like I was started as a theater kid, which is obviously traumatizing. So obviously my career would turn into comedy at some point. Um, sure, you'd, hope, but you'd, you'd at least hope. <laughs> I would, I would at, at the very least. Um, can't let all that talent and, and life history just go to waste. Um, but yeah, I, I auditioned, uh, I was doing a performance and communications diploma at Memorial University of Newfoundland Labrador. And that's where I met Elizabeth Hicks, who is also a member of our group. 
so we auditioned for the show called Almost Famous. Now, a lot of our comedy uh, and my, my intro to comedy is really based in Newfoundland culture. So like our vernacular, our phrases, like the characters that are really represented in Newfoundland comedy. So like when I started doing work with Half Handsome, which is the group that I wrote, um, I was in the show with, a lot of my comedy kind of relies on Newfoundland tropes and such. Um, but we, they did the show called Almost Famous, which is obviously a play on the word famous uh, from people around the Bay. Um, and I remember me and Elizabeth were the two girls that got chosen to go in because there's a group of guys, Half Handsome is like Andrew Tremlett, Stuart Simpson, Evan Mercer, and Zach Cross um, are like the main, like the guys who like uh, started it and stuff. So me and Elizabeth got in the show and we had our first like writer's room experience. We did like pitches and all this stuff. And I was so nervous because up until this point, I hadn't written anything and certainly not sketch. Cause like when I started, I had done like comedic characters and stuff in, in, in acting, but I, I, the, the creation of comedy and actually putting it on paper was something that terrified me because I'm like, how do I know if this is going to be funny? Like I don't, and when you write it and you're typing it, I couldn't make the connection at first. Right. Like as a, as a performer, you're so used to like already having steps one through three already done for you. Yeah. And like when I do a comedic character in, in acting, I don't have to worry because if it's not funny, it's not my words. It's not like, Oh, this person just writ- wrote it this way. But still like when I was writing stuff, I was like, geez, I have to like, make this funny and then also be funny on top of what I write. Yeah. So I was like, that's like, it was, it was hard for me at first, but then obviously you realize as you get into it, you're like, Oh, this is just like, it's so not as deep as that. <laughs> like, it's really not. It's like, you just have, and my career has grown into me just being like, what's the stupidest thing I could do possible on stage. And yeah. then I'm, I'm like, that's it. But yeah. So we, I got in the show and I wrote this sketch and Andrew who directed, he was like, you know, write about things that, are relatable because then it's like easy to connect with people and stuff so I just like always think about how like I always magnify issues in my head and like I'm always like, telling myself it's worse than it has to be and then I was like okay well let's just like just put that on its feet so this kind of came but like it was it's I found working with a lot of men in the room as a female comedian especially someone who's starting was really intimidating and it's almost like a fight to try to prove where I'm coming from. So there was yeah. a lot of, and that's not even like, that's, that doesn't have ne- necessarily have to happen to just gendered either. Like it, it, it depends on who you're with in the room, but when you're with a lot of big personalities, you're also walking into an established exactly yeah. team within, you know, that they already have their rapport. They already have their shorthand or whatever else you want to say. So you do as the new person, you have to like extra prove yourself that first go. Yeah. And like we did, and obviously we all became like very good friends after and like Elizabeth and Nevin are now dating. And like, it's just like, (laughs) it's just like this beautiful mom's girls have handsome, like big, happy family. But we, um, it was like the second year I did the show, I was able to be like, all right, I know what everyone in this room is like. And I know how to present my ideas easy and like know how to like take people's tone better. But like, I was just so nervous with the first year because it was, I was like, this is the make, I was like, this is a turning point in my career because I could either continue to act or maybe I could like focus on comedy which is what I always wanted to do but I just hated stand-up yeah and I do like stand-up 
now, but I still, I'm like, this isn't campy enough for me. Like I need to be <laughs> just immersed in it or I can't, I, I don't, I don't find it as, as uh, satisfying. But yeah, we did this and the sketch almost got cut from the final show. It did get in and almost got cut. That same year, I also wrote a sketch. It was the Kevin Spacey year. What year is this then? Oh, 2017 or 2018. Oh, was that long? Kevin Spacey was that long ago? I think it's 2017. Yeah, I know. Isn't that nuts? I think I know which sketch you're talking about. Yeah. If so, Half Handsome did the Spacey sketch in Toronto Sketch Fest and in we did it in Chicago as well. Okay. Yeah, I believe. So it was like um, written about this, like this, like guy who's obsessed with Kevin Spacey and his wife, him and his wife are having this like existential crisis. Cause like everything they do, he like gets home and she's like, Oh, I've made my Kevin, my Kevin Spacey cookies and she did like a Kevin Spacey apron on because it's very me. Like I'm over obsessed with like Metallica and the Foo Fighters. And like, I make it every single part of my identity or when I'm like into something. So I was like, Oh, this is a joke at me. But like, yeah. I also like, have a Michael Jackson tattoo. So like, this is also kind of like, <laughs> this is who I am. So I just like made it funny. But I, that sketch was like, I wrote like the woman, like the wife lines and like the, the characters at home. And then it, like Andrew and Stu kind of like crafted the beginning and like, and stuff. So it was very much like a collaborative thing. And when I first started comedy, I was like, well, that's my sketch. You can't, can't change my sketch. And now I'm like, okay, here's one line. Someone fucking take it and do something yeah. with it. So it was a very, it was a learning experience, but it, uh, it almost, in, in your head, almost got cut from the show. And it's because I sucked so bad at miming being in an occur. Like, I suck. Andrew was like, okay, girl, one more time, like, in a car. And he's like, how would you start a car? And I'm like, oh, fucking no, like, I don't know. Like, I just, like, couldn't do it. You have to let people know that you're in a car. Like, yeah. When you're, when, because so, I was going to ask, like, was this ever done on stage? And, okay, so it was. Yeah. And you have to do the, you almost have to get into the gimmick of it. Like, did you actually like walk into the scene and open the car door and get in the car? Oh, or yeah. Work? Okay. Oh, yeah. And, and like, that's what I love. Like, Andrew Tremlett, who directed, he's very physical. Like, he knows, he's very smart with the way the body works in comedy and he's very good with like miming and stuff. But God love him because I was like, I just like could, and I'm a dancer. So I was like getting so pissed at myself because I was like, how can I not mind? I drive every day. Like, how is this hard? But when you're thinking about it and you you have to over express it so people understand what you're doing, I just like got so, and then, and then it kind of me worrying about that kind of cut into like delivering the lines. And so I was harder on myself about it than I had to be, but we kept it in. And how did, how it, did was, it go? It was the first, it came in the running order. The first two sketches were group sketches. So like, I was like, kind of, I was getting into it. And then this sketch was just like me, like alone. And I was like, holy fuck, I was like, I'm so nervous. And like, I always say like the time when I first started, like the, when I called my car a slut and I got that laugh, I was like, I'm doing okay. comedy forever. Yeah. That, that yeah. first laugh you know, you like, get in the first thing you do. Yeah. It's so, it's so like such a great you, feeling so like did it change at all because like as we read through it it's kind of written to almost be filmed yeah like in my head like was it ever filmed did you ever have you have we done that yet or no i did this and uh, we have not revisited it but it's because i think i put so much pressure on myself i was like oh that's that it's done now put that in the vault mm -hmm. and like a lot of in our groups, like especially in Moms Girls, like we hardly 
we only started like recycling sketches recently like and even we just do like maybe one or two that are crowd favorites but like we usually write like clean stuff for every single thing we do so then we forget about the bulk and we went back we did a a main stage show and we had we had brought in three uh, female writers to go write with us for this like big stage show and we went back through the sketches that they wrote and i was like my god we have so much stuff that we still we didn't get to do in that show and we still don't like we could still do and i'm like when we just but we just keep writing because it's like in comedy everything is like the most relevant like what's you can't can't sometimes you can't like haul things out of the past without really like taking a good right step over it you have to worry about like any uh, timely references or like mm-hmm. like i always would say to the people that you know do sketch comedy like i don't want to see a trump, a trump joke because a trump joke no. would be funny you know the day after he did something stupid six months from now i don't care so all right, let's go back to the beginning. Um, what were you into? What made you laugh as a kid? What was the the comedy that you grew up with? I always say like my biggest, well, I guess like as a Newfoundlander, comedy is very steeped in, in, in our culture. And like compared to the rest of Canada, there's like, they used to call us like stupid Newfies. It was like the joke that Newfoundlanders and Labradorians were like stupid and dumb. And then we played into that. Like we created these characters <laughs> and like Nan, Nan is a character that I do so often. And it's just like, it's just such a nice character because it reminds me of just like home. But so when I started doing comedy, I really liked um, like Codco, which is like a popular Newfoundland sketch group that was like really big. And so there's a group called Buddy What's His Name and the Other Fellers. And it's three guys. They do like uh, sketches and song- musical songs. And that's why I like love parodies and Weird Al because he's king. Yeah. So Buddy What's His Name and the Other Fellers had this sketch called The Barbecue. And it is about newfoundlanders having to buy stuff from mississauga but basically it's like this guy who is just explaining what the perfect barbecue would be for like for his whole family and it's like this massive rig that he like builds and it's a 13 minute sketch and i memorized it when i was like eight in the back of the car on the way to church because i like loved it so this was like on was this televised or this is on radio so they 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 did shows in person but they recorded albums as well okay okay yeah. And then as I got older, Family Guy became a very, a very important part of my life. <laughs> like, and because my mother is so Catholic, um, she wouldn't let me watch it when I was younger, but I would always like sneak it on the TV and stuff. I wasn't allowed to watch Simpsons for years. Yeah. And it it just, and I get it. Cause when, when you're younger, you don't really understand. And I watch back the episodes of Family Guy. I'm like, oh my God, I missed so much of it. Like this really was vulgar, but I had no idea what was going on. But okay, so that's true of Family Guy, but I would say of Simpsons, it's not true. Like Simpsons is so tame, even in those oh, yeah. early days. Now that in the world of South Park, Family Guy, like the yeah. adult cartoon has gotten so R-rated that those days of those early days of Simpsons are so quaint and yeah. really family friendly, like by comparison. Yeah, I know. I was. Never it's just a that Simpsons Bart was person, kind of a but, jerk. Yeah. They were just stereotypical members of the family, like in 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 modern day, like in like Homer's just this like dopey husband, and it's they never really did anything shocking. But Family Guy was really making like really um, like crazy jokes, but like they did it in a way. Even when I watch now, if it's an issue that I really love Seth MacFarlane, I think he's a very smart writer, and I think he uses a lot of his own personal experience in writing, which pays off because he really knows what he's talking about. But like even like the Family Guy like Star Wars episodes, I'm like. 
this is so smart, but you, they earn the, the risky stuff they do. Like they, they, they pack it with these characters that you care about and that like, you know, it's like, if they say something, it's like, oh, well, that's just, that's just Quagmire. Like that's no, you know, that's him. That's him yeah. to say that, like, no problem. Um, but yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch it until my friend who also went to church with me, her parents <laughs> bought me the box set of season three, I think. So that was, uh, I was like, well, if she can watch it, then I can. So mom couldn't argue with me anymore. So I got to watch Family Guy. It's nice to have that like precedent set to like yeah. be able to <laughs> to go that yeah. way with your parents. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I love Mad TV. Like Alex, I, and I didn't get, I didn't watch Mad TV when it was on TV, but I watched the YouTube clips. Okay. Yeah. Because there was a like big time in like the early 2000s that they were like, you had like the, Oh, well, your boyfriend, well, your boyfriend, that guy that like blew up the back oh, of your head. The late, ridiculous. the late seasons. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's her real... name? I don't know. Because it's it's a woman doing that, right? Yes. Yeah. Because she, yeah, she's in what you call it. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't help you figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can picture it and it, I, yeah. Oh gosh, and I'm gonna look it up because it's gonna bother me if I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as I mean, as we're thinking about who this is and that character's name, those sketch shows, you know, like Saturday Night Live, Mad TV, and the birth of YouTube, sketch comedy and YouTube are hand in hand, especially in those early oh, days yeah. where like YouTube, everything had to be under a certain amount of time. Like that's sketch comedy. Like, yeah. When I think of YouTube, like Nicole Derek Randall comedy. Johnson. Yes. The performer's name. Um, I. I love watching Derek comedy on YouTube. I was a, I'm a big Gambino fan and watching Donald Glover start off in Derek comedy and the Derek comedy jokes were so gross and just like farting and like, pooping your pants. And I was like, Oh God, I was like, they're so funny. But like, I just love the idea of being silly for really no reason. Yeah. Like it, that was what really like, like stuck out to me about sketch. I was like, Oh, I want to do this because these people are having fun and it doesn't really, it's like acting it's like performing but you just like it's just to be silly it does you don't have any stakes that are like serious you know yeah. unless you silly for it's apart silly for its own reasons is fantastic yeah when you realize that you can do silly for its own good oh yeah it's such a fantastic yeah. revelation in your life like yeah yeah it's very nice so i know nothing about newfoundland outside of what i know from Come From Away mm-hmm. and the Letter Kenny Shorzy series. It's like, right. those are my only entry points to that Newfoundland is even remotely different from the rest of Canada. So, could you explain to someone any bit about the Newfoundland experience that is just so, what, what makes Newfoundland so different than the rest of, I guess, Canada? Because <laughs> I'm sure. If I think about it, there's a parallel in America that I could think about, but I'm not going to think that hard. Yeah. Well, I would I would just first like to say that I think half of Florida is made up of retired Newfoundlanders. And there's no <laughs> one in Newfoundland that doesn't have a fucking place to stay in Florida. And that's the truth. Um, what makes so Newfoundland is like very steeped in Irish culture. And right. we're very folk like in in our uh very folky very catholicy um obviously like very colonial unfortunately but we do like we also have like a lot of like indigenous influence like we have a very like um 
vast uh, amount of like indigenous communities still. So it's like, it, it's a, it's just like a pot of people. And I think like, when I want to explain Newfoundland, because in reality, Newfoundland is just like everywhere else. Like there's no really big difference. Like we are just smaller and maybe a bit more like kitschy. Like we're very unique and our, our scenery and our um, architecture is all very like campy and, and like woodsy, but like, we're very normal people. But I think the stereotype of new, like, so as a Newfoundlander watching come from way, obviously I was in, I uh, watched out on Broadway and I was like, Hey everyone, I'm from Newfoundland. Oh, hey okay, guys. And then <laughs> you always wanted to be like the celebrity up. in the crowd. Like, Oh, I was like, no, I, I was like, I'm, I'm using every single drop of uh name drop. <laughs> I actually right know now. where Gander is like, my I, we went with my friend Sarah, whose teacher is Bont, like in the third grade teacher. Okay, in the school. wow, cool. Yeah, like that was her class. <laughs> so she was like, we were anyways, we were being foolish. But uh, <laughs> Newfoundland is people always like to say like we're very hot, like very like friendly and and opening, and like there's like there's a scene in Come From Way where a guy goes in the backyard and he goes and takes someone's barbecue. The grill, yeah. I'm telling you that's fucking bull because if you did that and out around <laughs> in Gander, you would have Buddy out on the deck in no time. Like he, I was like, okay, like I think this is a bit like we like to perceive ourselves as, and we are. Like when I go to Toronto, I have to be reminded that like smile and say hello to everyone that I pass because people are like that we don't do that here. Um, but it, it's very like it's very campy, and that's where a lot of our comedy comes from. Like like I said, like doing the Nan character or doing like the skeet character where you're like, you know, I'm trying to talk in like not Newfie vernacular. But then I, when I try to explain Newfoundlanders, it's like, if I'm having like a chat with someone, it's like, Hey buddy, what's she getting out with tonight? Oh my God. And like, everything's so dramatic and over the top. And, and I didn't, I didn't catch loud. anything in that. No. And, and you know what? You probably won't because, <laughs> but to me, it's like, Oh yeah. Like just the way that we speak. So when writing comedy, and especially when we go, like when we went to Chicago with Half Handsome, and now when Mom's Girl goes to um, Toronto, we have to be careful with the Newfoundland stuff we do because people can't get it. Like it's so fast yeah. and it's like jumbled together that it's like, I it, it's it's just like Canada's Ireland. This is the best way that I can explain uh, Newfoundland. But Ireland sounds fine, so that's okay. Mm. Yeah, we love to drink. <laughs> and and party that's what it is i ask everybody and you mentioned more about uh mad tv than snl but i do ask everybody who is your favorite snl cast member of all time i have a very well i think kate mckinnon has probably recently become my favorite but i maya rudolph is to me so she's so funny without having to to even do anything like and I think Chris like Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph are like really like two very big, um, uh, like icons to me because they Kristen Wiig can do anything and she's hilarious at anything. But Maya Rudolph is so good at being subtle, like she's so good at at being completely she can be completely like straight faced and have you cracking up just because of the intention that she has. Yeah. Um. But I I love like the the Kate McKinnon SNL sketches where they're doing like the alien abduction stories. Uh it, they're, they're, she's just so in her body like she uses her body so well um and recently <laughs> this is <laughs> bowen yang is so funny i have been saying 
um, he with the episode that Pedro Pascal when he hosted, they did the fan cam episode. Okay. And they were like talking about like doing fan cams for like this teacher in the school, and then Pedro Pascal's character is like he's like playing the teacher. He's like, well, and it's like all like queer vernacular too. Like they're making fun of like the queer like phrases of today. And it's like, well, if making a fan cam is like good, then why did you make one for Lunch Lady Paulina? And Bowen Yang is just sitting there and he's like, because Paulina is mother. And the way that he says it, I have been saying it constantly. And I work in government and I've been saying it in my office (laughs) all day. And everyone's like, stop saying it. And I'm like, I can't. It's so good. So we we talked a bit about you know as we talked about the sketch about how you got into half handsome like or at least mm-hmm. into those shows. What was the like the impetus for you to be like, yeah, let me try to write something for this for almost famous. Well, we got hired um, when we got ca- well, we got casted. It was for a writer and performer. Um, so you were like, okay, so there was like an audition process then. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, hold on. Let's pause there because we skipped over because you mentioned like being a theater kid too. Mm-hmm. Like, was were you a performer like going through high school, like doing like you know musical theater and stuff? Yeah, I was in a show choir in high school. Unfortunately, although again, great trauma to make comedy out of. Um, and then I started doing community theater, and then I had like a production company. Me and my roommate used to do like I uh, we used to do like music shows to like benefits for like the Cancer Society or the Autism Society, um, and we did a lot of queer arts. We did like Rocky Horror, like Shadowcast, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I was mostly acting. Like I hadn't had I, other than doing comedic roles, I hadn't done any kind of comedy. Do you, do you have like a favorite role that you've done in the past? The the role that probably made me realize that I am a comedian. We did The Good Doctor by oh my gosh. It's it's like Chekhov plays. Okay. Can you remember who they are? So there is a Chekhov, uh, there's a there's a there's a one in it called the Defenseless Creature, where it's this woman and she goes into a bank and she pretends that like she's like talking about her husband's so sick and she needs an advance from the bank. And the bank teller has gout. So he's wearing like a boot and he's like in severe pain and she's like crying, but like she's ma- like almost like mania. And like there's a point where she's like sobbing and she's like kissing his hand and then she's like ripping her hair out and giving it to him it's like i get up on the table at one point and it was just such a and it wasn't like even that it was comedy it was just like the ups and downs i had like the, it was character growth for me mm. but i remember doing the character and it was just such a powerful character because there was like the bank teller and the um and the assistant and i was just like was just like up on this chair and i was like putting I think like a a spell on the bank with like a piece of radish or something and like it was so dumb but I felt like I was like oh this like she has so much power and I did I got to do that role twice once in 2014 which is like the first time I really like did community theater after high school and then I did it in 2017 at a festival but uh, but a non-comedic role I love to do I played Agnes in Agnes of God which is about the, the the nun that like this novice nun who gets pregnant Hmm. out of we that they don't know where she kills her baby very fun oh yeah no no oh. completely not funny like Did not so expect not that funny. turn at all no oh my god that's one yeah, of those things no, that i've heard fun. the title of but i like i have no context of yeah what else it is it was a movie that was like big in the 80s yeah yeah okay so you come to that half handsome that almost famous show through an audition mm-hmm. process so what was that yeah. like for you it was scary 
Oh, I, I love, I love the story though. It, because it almost felt like things were falling into place. Like it, I was like, I feel like I finally like found a, 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 like what I want to do. But I remember going to the audition and I was up against a lot of my friends and you had to be asked to be auditioned. Like you couldn't, you didn't, it wasn't just like a free audition. It was like, they asked a certain group um, of people to come in. Because so I guess like, like Hanselm is invo- like already a thing in the area yeah. and they're, trying I'm, uh, it's gonna sound awful how i say it this way but they're gonna try to cherry pick and poach other creative people and bring them into the fold which i mean that's yeah that what audition like that's what that means yeah and like in at, at the, i will say though like at the time there was not many sketch i don't think there was any sketch groups in this land that were do, like other than like the older crowd from codco and like andy jones and kathy jones who's on 22 minutes like they were they were kind of doing little bits of stuff but like there was nothing really growing in the comedy community other than handsome who had done the first almost famous the year before so they wanted to they had two girls who were in it who were gone away to toronto so they needed to have more female so they needed to audition like girls so like they looked for like women who were in the arts but who did comedy a lot like did Mm -hmm. comedic roles who they thought that were like and also because when you're doing sketch and like we've come to realize this is so important but like you really have to be comfortable and like a very close connection with who you're working with like it really adds just so much trust on stage so they were just like auditioning to see who would like fit best in the group that they had um so I remember I went in and I don't even remember what sketch I think it was I did one sketch from Broad City where I had to pull weed out of my um pants out of my vagina which was very funny um (laughs) and then the first sketch I did I'll never forget this. I think it might have been an SNL sketch. I'm not sure, but it, it's she comes in. I come into the room and it's like, "Oh, can I use this chair?" And then they're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, the, "Or no, they don't answer first." The audition from uh, Mr. Show. Yes, and then you're like, "That's the whole bit." Is like, "Oh, that's no. This is my uh, this is my monologue." Like, yeah, you're not supposed to say anything. Yeah, so that's the bit I did. But before I started, I, I don't know if it was written in this in thing, but I was just like, so I cracked my neck. And it, I'm not even joking. I cannot crack my neck. But this time in this audition, it was like, crack, 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 crack. And I was like, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> no lie. If I was in the room, I would have thrown up like that. That's, that's, that's <laughs> terrifying to me. I, I hate knuckle cracking. I hate like all those oh. like air bubbles in your body that popping. Like, the, oh. you would have passed out. You would have passed I, out for sure. I would not have been a, a fan. Big it would have been no, all cringe crack. and I I wouldn't. Mm. I would have not gotten in the show is what you're saying. <laughs> right. There might have been a question of like, hey, uh, could you promise to never do that ever again in front of me? Thank you. I'd be like, like, I'd be like I'm surprised I did it now. So I wanted, I yeah, wanted was, in writing that this will never happen again. Yeah. But I got, I got, so after I had the audition, I, they were like, okay, we're going to do callbacks and we'll like, we'll give you a call. We don't want to see you again. And I had to go work and I was working in American Eagle at the time, which was, you know, terrible. And uh, I was, I called um, Russell who was stage managing and I was like, Hey, like, just wondering, like, I didn't hear back from you. Like, is there callbacks? And he was like, Oh yeah, we decided like, we don't need to see you again. And I was like, I was like, fuck sakes, man. But then I realized it's because they had already cast me and they didn't want, they didn't need to come back. You didn't need the callback. And when we had our cast party after the show had ended and we had all become this like very fun, like group of friends. Stu said to me, 
um, who is a guy in Half Handsome who I've worked with like in review, which is like this rising tide is a place in a, a theater company in Newfoundland that like tours this political sketch show every year. Mm-hmm. And we like paired up as a couple in it. And like, we did like us going to Costco and like us going to the cabin. And like, he's like someone on stage who I trust no matter what. And he always makes me laugh on stage. I can never like hold, he's so funny, but he looked at me and he said, the minute that you cracked your neck in audition, we were like, she's in. And I was like, <laughs> I knew it. I was like, I knew it. <laughs> My favorite story. But yeah, that's how I, that's how I got into it. And then I did half, I did um, almost famous too. And then I was like, I'm doing sketch forever now. How long did what was half handsome a, a thing before you had gotten in roughly? A few years, but they had only done a show like they did uh, the Bama show the year before. Um, but they had done stuff in they went to Grenfell, like a, a branch of Memorial that was in Gander or Cornerbrook, sorry. Um, and that's where when you talk to Al Allison from a Mom's Girl, uh, they used they teach at uh, acting at, at 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 the university. Oh. um off and on but yeah that's they started doing stuff there and then they did the, the show so it wasn't it wasn't like a very long really i don't think a few years and you're like after this you're a full-time member of half handsome or uh, i'm like a side piece like we'll see. uh special guest star every once in a while yeah like we have like half handsome has like their core is like four or five of them that's like really tight and then like there's another few of us like everyone in mom's girls has worked with half handsome okay and like we we go but elizabeth is probably their most like elizabeth's always with them okay but yeah we we like cycle in and out when we and like it's just like we borrow from each other and we do shows together and stuff so it's like it's it's, it's a happy family i mean because i don't want to like minimize the size of newfoundland but i get a very small town um ideal where like if we don't work together what 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 good is this like yeah we, we kind like, of have to be friends like we can't have a, a like a, a rivalry between the two of us or we'll just destroy each other no but i will i, I think i'll explain how mom's girls came to be because i think you'll have a better That's, understanding I'm, I'm, my next question that was, was basically yeah. like, all right let's let's talk about mom's girls how do we get there so this this leads into each other um but i do want to say like no like we don't we're in the capital city of newfoundland like we're in like st john's so that it's a big city but like the arts community is very very close like mm. people we all work with each other and we're all constantly working and, and switching groups so like it, it is very like accustomed to here for people to go on different projects even if they're not like with them all the time so we did almost famous two and almost famous three me and ali were in almost famous three and we felt that we had we had written a sketch now i would like to just say if the boys listen to this podcast i love them with my entire heart <laughs> but we wrote a sketch called girls bathroom and there was in the, in famous three there was three girls and three guys so it was equal for the first time okay and we wrote this sketch and it was girls bathroom and it was about like the phenomenon of when you go into the girls bathroom like you meet the best friend that you've ever the, the most amazing woman you've ever met and then three seconds later you're like i don't know where she is but i love her and i will never forget about her so it was this whole like just basically there wasn't even really like it just like shows that like um it's hard to explain because it's very all over the place but just like the the camaraderie that girls have even though like sometimes it's like fake it's like really real so it was just kind of like the playing of the tropes and like my character comes in and she's just like taking a piss and like like she's like the gross character i love playing the gross character but the guys explaining it in the room in the writer's room we had to do a lot of fighting 
for the stuff that we wrote. And I know that it's like picking the best of the best, but we got a lot of shit for that sketch. And it felt as if because the guys couldn't understand the scenario that we were presenting, right? that they, they didn't trust it. And we were like, you have to trust us though, because I'm t- like, I'm a uh, trust us with this. There's three of us. And we were like, we want to do this. Like we, we promise you that it will, it will, it'll work. Like other women in the audience will understand. And, and a lot of guys too. Like if you're, if you're a gay guy, you're going into the girl's bathroom, you know what it's like in there. So we had like discussions about this and, and they were like, ah, oh, I think we should cut it. I think we should cut it. And I was like, and at one point we were like, yeah, okay, let's just cut it. And then we came back from lunch and I was like, oh, we're not, fu- like, don't let's not fucking cut it. We're going back. Let's circle back. Let's circle back. Let's go back to the bathroom. And we did the sketch and it was one of everyone's favorites who came and saw the show. It was like one of, one of the favorites of the show. And when in that moment, I was kind of like, I, I do not want to have to fight to get my ideas out if they're not understood by uh, any reason. Like they're me. And it's not even that I want my ideas. It's just, I want to be able to trust people in my group to trust me with an idea. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, even if even if I don't get it right away, I trust that there is like, listen, let's have faith in what we do. Let's have like an adult conversation where it's like, okay, if this if we do this the first night and it bombs, let's pull it the next night, no issue. But let's work it and let's try to make it work as it is. So after we did we did the sketch and it went great and I'm glad we did it. Myself and Elizabeth, because I hadn't met Allison or Andy at this point. But Allison was very big. I used to be like a f- huge fan of Allison. Actually, I used to hate them because I'm like, oh my God, how are they so good at acting? And like, they were like, so like, <laughs> they're amazing. And I was like, man, fuck you. And I tell her that all the time. Like she knows <laughs> that's how that started. But we, me and Elizabeth were like, I want to do a girl's sketch show. I want to do it all female because I want to show that like, we are just as capable of producing content that everyone can understand. In a, in a space that is like really, because like in Newfoundland, especially, but I know it's everywhere. Women actually Toronto have a great, uh, really a lot of women on that scene. And I love to see that, but in Newfoundland, this, the comedy community and mostly the stand-up community is not always the safest for women. And it's not always comfortable for women to be in the room. Right. We have a lot of stand-ups that are very crass. And it's like the guys who are like, you can't take a joke. It's like, no, it's just that your jokes aren't smart. Like you're low blown for no reason. Because that's something that happened here in Philadelphia. Like uh, when I first got into the scene here in Philadelphia and started paying attention, there aren't. There was a ton of like all dude sketch teams, and then all of a sudden, all women sketch teams started popping up. And there was a part of me I was like, well, why can't we have like a you know fifty fifty mix of something? And then like mm-hmm. I would look again and see like, oh that's why like where it's hard yeah. like as you were saying like uh, it's hard to it would probably be hard to give me the context of that sketch in the bathroom being funny mm-hmm. because it's something i've never experienced yeah. like there's no camaraderie in the in the men's bathroom i want to get <laughs> like, in Don't out talk to me. <laughs> as quick as possible no eye contact i don't need you for anything you yeah. know like there's no spare square. There's no, hey, do you have an extra thing for me? Or like, so I, I, I would probably read that sketch and be like, okay, wait, is this a thing? Like, is this real? Like, 
real? Yeah. Like, I would hope that I would be more open to it, but I would have to be explained a little bit more. Totally. And I think the argument was, <laughs> what got me was, it was like, we need a, we, this needs a purpose. It needs a purpose. And I, I remember looking at Andrew and being like, Andrew, we're doing a sketch called Sex Pirates. <laughs> what, like, where's the purpose of Sex Pirates? Why doesn't Sex Pirates need a purpose? Um, but well, I actually, everyone I, knows I, what sex pirates are come on obviously sex pirates have a purpose um but it, it, i love that my initial start of my career was with half handsome because i learned that group and like we are good in a group we fight like a family like we're like newfoundland like true like everyone is family it, and we are a family but sometimes family fights and sometimes we get pissed off at each other and we butt heads and like there's four of us in half handsome that are Aries. So like, what do you fucking expect? We're here yelling and being loud and annoying and shit and trying to get our way. But, but it's once you get so used to working with people, it's like, and once you get used to doing sketch shows, you're like, okay, none of this is as serious as it is. Let's all be, everyone has a seat at the table. Everyone gets to say what they want to say. Everyone gets to vouch for what they want to do. And everyone gets to feel comfortable. That's the rules. And so I think with, when mom's girl started, we were called fully gorgeous because we were a branch of half handsome. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. So I was like, the guys like wrote for us. Yeah. It was a nice like stepping stone. I felt because they did give us like they being in, in half handsome, like started me and Elizabeth as sketch comedians. Yeah. And we can't, we can't like, I would never not say that. Like it's, you know, they were, they were wonderful and I love working with them, but there came a time where <laughs> after we realized that we could do it, we were like, well, let's just do it. Let's be a group. And like, that doesn't mean we don't get to be working with each other, but it's just a place that like is to show the community that we are a four group of like women, non-binary performers who are like on it. Like we're good. Like we can do this ourselves. There's four of us. And like when we, me and Elizabeth met each other and then did these shows together. And then I met Allie during, during, um, Sorry, Mom's Girls was formed in between Almost Famous 2 and 3. Okay. I lied to you. So, and then we went in, it, it just like came to a point where we were like, we want to do our own thing and we want to create this safe space, basically, which is what it came down to. It was just creating this space that we could just be, not have to worry about. We just want to also just to show that women are in the, in the community, especially where we're from. It's like, we are here, we are very visible and we're going to, you know, do this and prove it to you. Not that we have to, but that we want to, um, that we can create just as funny content as you guys can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, but it was a very hard conversation and it was hard to like, I wasn't involved too much in it, but like there was a moment where we talked with the guys about like how we felt and it was hard for them to hear that we felt that it was kind of unfair in the room. And it was kind of like, we felt like we didn't really have a voice. And I think it's because the, we are a family and we love each other and we love working with each other. So it became this like, oh, I'm sad that you feel this way or I'm, I'm confused because I didn't know what like what was doing was wrong. But that led the way for like us to be able to be open, which is what you need in a, in a, art, in a community, especially in a sketch group. You've got to be able to say what you have to say and like know that there's not going to be any uh, like judgment or negative feelings like it's just like i'm gonna be straight open with you guys and not like and so 
we are a big happy family, but getting from mom's girls, creating mom's girls was kind of like a little bumpy ride, but we, we were still making people laugh and we were still laughing. So it was, it wasn't as dramatic as I'm painting it to be this like Renaissance war, but no, cause like, and I think a lot of the people that are in the arts that are in collaborative arts like this, like I'm going to exclude stand up because that's a solitary thing of like people being, but like when you're in an improv team or a sketch team, you don't want to be the a dick to your co's and the other people that are involved with you. Like, like with like I, I mentioned that bathroom sketch. I probably, I hope I would have like the forefather being like, "You need to explain to me that this is a thing." Not necessarily like, "I don't understand this." Yeah, and that's something that I've always said to like people that like are relatively new writers. I was like, if I don't know where you're coming from. I'm already out. So like you need to give me a little more context up top or something, maybe like yeah. um set the like just like getting in a car in your sketch. If you just sat there on you know a seat and didn't, you know, mime a steering wheel, getting in the car, putting your seatbelt on or whatever, I'm like, wait, what's happening? You're just sitting there talking. That's that's weird. Like mm-hmm. um, so how long has have mom girls been together as uh, its own entity? Five years. Okay, wow. And we've done we we went full steam ahead. We have a um we had like a main stage show two years ago, um uh in like a big theater here, and we have a kids TV show uh on Bell Five, which is a Canadian um broadcast uh service. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so we it, yeah, we we are just so silly and goofy that we were like, let's do a kids show, let let's do kids comedy and like let's just be silly so it's this whole show that's um we're in allison's bedroom and there's fl- clothes on the floor it's very like mr dress up dragon tales type thing and when we think of a story it's like telling us a message like uh one episode is about frankenstein and like uh, it's talk- talking about like uh oh god i don't even remember but we like we hold hands and we go through the floor and the clothes like rise and then we're like we tell literary stories. So we did like King Arthur, the tale of like King Arthur. And then we did, um, as you like it, Shakespeare, Frankenstein, mm. uh, the legend of Athena and Goldilocks. So it was like us retelling these stories into make the message for like young, ad- young kids to like, to, it, it was very, it was very fun to film. It was like four days. We did six episodes and, and it, uh, it was tales from the floor drobe. Tales from the floor. I like that too. Yeah, it was just it was very silly, and like now we're hopefully we're thinking about like maybe doing a second season or trying to get some money to do like an actual sketch, adult sketch TV show. Yeah. Half Handsome just did one, um, called Jack Jack TV. That's on Bell as well, um, and it's very is, funny. And Eliz- Elizabeth's in that one. Is there like a difference? I mean, I know that. I know very little about like the whole Canadian thing. I know that like Canadian there's con- Canadian content rules where like a certain percentage of your networks have to have Canadian content or ca- Canadian yeah. creatives involved. So I don't understand like is Bell like a regional station or is it like available across the nation? Oh yeah, no, they're the big sell. They own everything. <laughs> okay. But, but, well, I, but I know Bell is... owns a ton like yeah. but like that the actual like TV channel. Yeah, it, the Bell 5 is like it, it it's a cable network, but they have money to like make their own for de- on demand. Okay, so, so like it's not like 
network TV, like CBC kind of thing. It's the next. No, okay. no, it's not like airing, but it will play it, like it's on not a just Mufi only. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 a very interesting <laughs> piecing together, but yeah, it it's uh it was a very fun project. Um, and then yeah, we just we do bar shows. Uh, we did like a writers retreat in Dildo, which of course everyone yeah. loves. Are you not? Are you familiar? I have never heard that before. No. Yeah, there's a you. Jimmy Kimmel had a big fucking deal about it. Uh, he wanted to be mayor of Dildo. There's a Dildo in Newfoundland. Oh. Yeah, it's a community in Newfoundland. (laughs) Yeah. We have like like Nanny's Hole is also a place in Newfoundland. Uh, like Spread Eagle. Well, here in Pennsylvania, we have some weird names too, of like Intercourse and like Bird in Hand (laughs) and like nice uh but yeah dildo and nanny's hole are dildo is like the big one it's like this is this is incredible and because jimmy kimmel was so obsessed with it they installed this like hollywood sign dupe that says dildo and it's like <laughs> up in the hills oh yeah people fucking eat it up i, I imagine we... you had to put it up in the hills because like other things in the town would get stolen so that you'd have like that dildo like yeah, like, I, oh, they... I gotta imagine be one of those things that like the town sign gets stolen like weekly. No, because everyone who's there or, is old, <laughs> maybe, or maybe because it's so far away, like in Newfoundland. Like if it were like you know closer to like a major city, like Toronto. If it if it was a suburb of Toronto, yeah, it would be a bigger issue. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's because it's it's probably like I think it's like an hour and twenty minutes outside of St. John's. So like it's not too far deep, but we're also like our province is very big, but our we're very spread out. Yeah, like Labrador is massive. Um, well, that's that's true of all Canada. Is like there's so much oh, land, yeah. but there's not a lot of people. So it's possible. It's, like it's it's crazy to look at the, the the states. I like recently I was like, wow, I'm gonna get really into geography at 27 years old for sure. And I was looking at the states, and I was like, it's crazy how small the states are compared to the provinces in Canada. Like the provinces are massive compared to like a single state. But I looked it up and um, because I was curious, but like St. John's only has like a hundred thousand people. Yeah. And that's the, that's our biggest city. Um, I always ask again, uh, whenever I talk to the Canadians, cause I do love the Canadians. Is there something in Canadian pop culture that you would tell an American, like something, you know, Something that I might not have seen yet or might not have heard of, like, to try to go digging and looking for. Oh. <laughs> and this could be anything. Music. Oh! Okay, any, well, any, it can any, be music. Anything Canadian that I might not be, like, hip on yet. So, I don't know how you feel about um, Dad Rock. I am a very large fan of Dad Rock. There is a band from BC called Chilliwack. They are my favorite band. I have a tattoo for them. They are, uh, I would like to say, a little bit of like, they're a little bit Zeppelin-y, but okay. they're like kids bop Zeppelin. And very toned down, but they're, they're indigenous. So they have also like a lot of like indigenous sounds in their, in their earlier music too. But they're just like these like old guys and they're just, they make the classic rock is on fire in Canada. There's a group called um, Haywire that's from PEI. They have some really good uh, classic rock uh, music. And then also um, July Talk. Have you ever heard of July Talk? No. I would look up July Talk 
and look up the song Beck and Call. So they feature Tanya Tagak, who is an indigenous throat singer, but they okay. do like indie, indie like rock. Like it's very, uh, I'm trying to think of maybe a band that you might know that compares. <sighs> they're very like dark and, and spooky, but they're very almost like very pop rock. But they, they have Tanya Tagak throat singing throughout yeah. it, and it's a hit. It's a hit. It, it wouldn't have helped you if you named a band because like my musical tastes no. are so stuck in like tw- like 2005 like i'm one of those people that like i was t- 23 and my musical taste stopped there like that's fair i might follow I, I, with I... the new albums and stuff but have you noticed a difference like between when you perform as one of the you know extra members of half handsome versus with mom's girls like is there a difference in the audience between the two mm, kind i noticed like a a lot of we have a lot of recurring characters uh in mom's girls like we have a lot of recurring people who come back uh, to every show they're very loyal and we love them you mean Um, in the audience yeah oh yeah not like characters we're doing like characters like guys in the audience and half handsome is very like always like there's a lot more hmm. i don't know it's they're both very diverse in age like we have a very large like uh diversity that goes to both shows but half handsome like i find like a lot of our friends like in the community in the arts community definitely go but i think that in mom's girls it's more so like a little bit outside of it and maybe that's because there's there's less of us like in like there's more people in half handsome so like all of our friends will go and like our friends go to mom's girl stuff too if they can get a ticket before it sells out um (laughs) fuck a humble brag but we do have a lot of people who maybe don't go to see a lot of shows, but they feel comfortable coming to our show, which makes me really happy. Um, but yeah, I think that there's way more industry people at a half handsome show. Okay. I think. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, I asked the same two questions, try to get a little deeper. And you kind of mentioned a bit of what I'm you know, going to try to elaborate with, but like, first off <laughs> you brought the sketch and it sounds like there's no, like, like, comedy writing education in your past like you there was no like sketch writing 101 so you wrote in your head just blind no you know you've seen sketch comedy you figured why not let's do it uh so what's something that you would tell a new sketch writer what's a piece of advice that you would give i think write do not think about it too much i think like i will there's a sketch that we're going to do in toronto sketch fest that i wrote that is four old British gentlemen reading the newspaper. And the gag is they're reading about the Monster Mash. And it's just like ex- elaborating lines from the Monster Mash into a sketch. And when I wrote that, I wrote it at, in 15 minutes at work. And because I was like, I'm going to try this. Like, I'm just going to try it. And it works. There was no, there was like a clear concept. This is what I wanted had all like the characteristics and tropes in there and I just put it on paper and I was like, okay. And now I had a great piece of advice from Aurora Brown, um, comedian in Canada. And she said, don't be afraid to kill your babies. Yeah. Yeah. She's from, um, uh, Baroness, right? Yeah. Baroness von von sketch. Yeah. And she said, don't kill your, don't be afraid to kill your babies. And so I would also say, write what you feel, write, and don't think about it too much. Just get it out there. And then don't be afraid for someone else to really just shape it for you. And don't be afraid of any changes that have to be made. A lot of the writing in, in Mom's Girls is usually collaborative. 
like we have a lot of space to add in jokes. We have a lot of space to kind of like change an ending. Um, we have a very great atmosphere in our writer's room that is, is open. If someone doesn't like, we all, we, we challenge each other too. It's like, okay, well, is this the best decision to make right now? Or is there another decision that could, that could help more? So we really, we, we expand our, when we're looking at stuff where we expand how far it can go, like, let's mm -hmm. just push it and then see how we, we mold it. But I would say for anyone who's writing, just write, don't, don't worry about it being funny. Don't worry. Cause that'll come. No one's first draft is usually the draft that gets, you know, performed. And when I read in your head, like when we read it just then, I'm like, God, there's so many joke holes missing. So many joke holes missing. <laughs> I'm like, I should have said this and I should have said this. And this is how I would be now. I can't believe I did not yell at the car that was honking behind me. So mad. <laughs> but I am glad though, because I'm like, I'm looking at it and I was so stressed about writing that sketch. And I'm looking at it I'm like the, the bones are there. The concept yeah. is there. The, there's jokes there. It just needed another pass through, I think, of, of being a bit more concise. But if you just get it word vomit out there, just get it on a piece of paper and then have someone else go over it with you and make those and like question yourself on the decisions you're making. It's it just helps with your writing. And then when you go to write something the next time, you're like, OK, I know what questions I have to ask myself while I'm writing. Yeah, it's always helpful to get the skeleton out. Because yeah. you can always add on to it. You can always like it's, it's funny, like I always. uh I'm always in the camp of underwriting my first draft. Mm. Like, uh, I'll, you know, I'll send it off to a friend to like get information. And she's like, this could be longer. I was like, yeah, I just wanted to give you the basics of this. We can play and add jokes all we want. Like, mm -hmm. I just wanted to get this idea, this, this idea of a, like, you know, the start of this premise out and we can just keep playing now. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Just, I gave you three example jokes of what I'm thinking and, you know, we can, we can layer up. We can, I'm not the kind of person that overwrites and then cuts down in this kind of it, for sketch comedy. Yeah. I I write basic and then I'll expand. We are we are opposite, but I do I do like that, and I think that's something that we have to we do start playing with. We've started playing a lot with time, so I want to ask you a question. Okay, what do you think is is too long for a sketch? Like, what is your ideal time? Other My than like blackouts and stuff, you know. My rule has developed into the time of a sketch depends on how many characters are in a sketch. Okay. But also, you shouldn't take that much time of introducing all those characters. I, yeah. one of the things I rail about, and uh, there's a, within my sketch comedy circle of friends, there's always a debate, argument, whatever you want to call it, about game show parodies. Oh. And I, I love game show parodies. But they fall into the trap, and SNL SNL is the hard one because you know it's SNL. Those Family Feud sketches, yeah, take four minutes to introduce everyone on stage. Yeah, because everyone needs to get what they think is a joke in to introduce themselves. Yeah, you're so before right on that. you actually get to the actual process of the actual joke of the sketch, and that's a nightmare. Yeah. I have been in quite a few game show parodies and I would say that is a very, very, very true statement. It, it takes, it takes so long to set it up, but, but the, the, the number of characters is very smart too. I we never really think of it like that. 
we realized like in half handsome too like we we always were like doing long sketches and i'm like man i love the idea of just doing like a two minute like we did a sketch in a Chris. we do a lot of christmas shows that's like where we started mm-hmm. we did a christmas show one year and it was like the grinch and like the grinch was a kleptomania and it was just two minutes of like a uh like a dr seuss rhyme about the grinch stealing and it, and it just like it's done done and i was like you know what it doesn't always but then sometimes people come to us and they're like oh, i just want i want a little i want more so i'm like i, I would, always feel like i you would can't rather find them it. i would rather them wanting more than getting tired then, of something uh, yeah and that's true because that's, gonna always, make them that, want to come that's always the other thing it's just like if i if i write short and we can do more later we can do more later but if i write yeah. long <sighs> yeah and it's hard to sit through at least yeah at least if it's like oh they wanted more than then they're into it but they at least were into it they didn't drop out of it when it yeah. ended which is yeah totally and then finally um as you know we debate about the timing things uh you mentioned you know being a theater kid being a performer getting the nod to join half handsome for the, the almost famous shows why comedy why has comedy been the thing that has hooked on for your adult life comedy or, is is it's everything i i can i love doing music parodies we do a lot of songs in mom's girls i can be a singer and be in comedy i can act and be a comedian i can dance and be a comedian it's like i can take the every training i've had as a you know a theater kid bundle it and i don't have to pick one disciplinary to do i don't have to like be a musician i don't have to be a a, a singer i can be a comedian and then switch it up every night i can be something else and it's like not only does it keep me on my toes but it fucking makes people happy and that's Mm -hmm. that's what that's what gets it for me like when i talk about like getting that first laugh i mean that felt like overwhelmingly happy and it's like our mom's girls mandate and i'm sure ali will talk a lot about this but like we are like when you come into a mom's girls show we want you to be fucking happy we want you to not stress about anything we don't want you to be any kind of offended we want you to come in and you want to sit down and just have the silly time don't worry about the real world don't worry about what's going on outside just enjoy us being complete losers and (laughs) <laughs> it's that's what makes me happy it's it's so not serious but at the same time as you see with art you make a statement so while we're doing this it's like we're also making a statement that it's like hey we're all female and we're all you know we're queer female non-binary representation and we are a member of of your groups and we are the same we share that kind of common bond of you know just trying to like make sure that we're presented in our society so I think we speak about we, moms, girls is that that's what we embody, but we don't, it, you never know that you don't you never hear any preaching. You never hear any, you know, going after that message. It's just, let's have a great time together and do stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. I love it. Uh, that's so good. All right. Thanks, Steph. No problem. Thank you. This was fun. Steph and the rest of Moms Girls will be heading to Toronto for Toronto Sketch Fest for two shows. First, on Friday, March 10th at 7pm with Birdie. 
Then Saturday, March 11th at 9 p.m. with Boy Girl Party Live. Both of those shows are at Comedy Bar. Tickets are available at torontosketchfest.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at rawstephc. R-A-W-S-T-E-F-C. And you can follow Mom's Girls at Mom's Girls Comedy. Here in Philly, Sketchybator, our live and in-person sketch comedy open mic, returns upstairs at Tattooed Mom at 5th and South Street this Sunday afternoon, February 19th at 2 p.m. Sketch comedy with the lowest stakes possible. We'll read some sketches. We'll have some drinks. We'll eat some sandwiches. So come join us. Sketchybater.com for more information. My first sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook? Follow the show on Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. Like, go to Sketchy Bader this Sunday afternoon. <laughs>